You are listening to Irish Illustrated Insider. Notre Dame defeats Virginia Tech 21-20 as Ian Book leads Notre Dame on the game-winning touchdown drive. 18 plays, 87 yards. Notre Dame moves to 6-2. and two. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley. Pete Sampson will be joining us shortly. Tim, um, Notre Dame very fortunate. <laughs> Obviously very fortunate. Not very fortunate in the first half when they actually had two opportunities to go up 21-7. to seven. The fumble at the goal line but also the near scoop and score by Jeremiah Wusu-Koromo, which I kind of forgot about until I started rewatching the game. But, you know, bad breaks, and then after that, they weren't very good offensively. And fortunately, the defense stepped forward and held them to a couple field goal drives and got the football back in time for them to, to drive down and score the game-winning touchdown. And that was crucial because Virginia Tech, I wouldn't say they found something offensively in the second half because they only had, were held to two field goals, but they were no longer going three and out every possession. And, and that added up because you know Tech had a 10-play drive and then a 7-play drive when Notre Dame got the ball back. You had to give them just about that much time, clearly, because it was one of the weirder drives to win a game. There were so many like incomplete passes, the runs that didn't work, passes that are gimmies that Virginia Tech didn't give them. And but he made big plays, Ian Book, especially downfield to Claypool, and of course Claypool with one of the more graceful catches you'll see in your life. Yeah, and all, and also, I mean, the previous drive was 17 plays, and that was a crazy drive. Got nothing out of it too. as well, and they should have because Ian Book missed Cole Komet wide open in the end zone for the for the second time in the game. You know, Notre Dame had 447 yards total offense to Virginia Tech's 240. They ran 91 plays. To the Hokies, 64. Is that what it was? 64. You know, Notre Dame was the better football team most of the game, but uh, when when Divine Diablo picked that fumble up and, and went 98 yards with it, you just you just knew that that was going to change yeah, the whole... Yeah, it, it did change the whole tenor of the game. And it took... You know, Notre Dame went 41 minutes between scores... Uh, after the Tommy Tremble. It didn't have to change it that much. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, it did change the tenor of the game. You could look down and feel it. Uh, it's on the heels of a loss, too, so there's just less less belief, I suppose, from everybody. I guess I think Brian Kelly probably handled it well by just saying, look, this has happened before, which is amazing also. We're going to respond and come back. It, on more minutes, than one yeah, occasion. On more than one occasion. It, it, oddly enough, someone came up to me at halftime, and said, was it Chris that did that in 2011? I said, no, it was Jonas Gray. And then it occurred to me five seconds later, and it was Dane Chris. And it was Dane Chris. Which is incredible. Right, right. I was asking you about the Dane Chris yeah. one, but I had actually at that moment forgot about the Jonas Gray one. Norting 25 first downs to Virginia Tech's 12. Yeah, I did something on Monday Musings with offense and defense, good, bad, and ugly. I don't know if Notre Dame's defense had a bad. What, they gave up a 50-yard play. But you can't give up. You got. You can't give up no plays in a game. <laughs> I mean, they, they well, really and that, and that fifty-yard play was a absolutely brilliant catch by right, Trey right. Turner. They, they defense played exceptionally well. Now, couch it a little bit because there was rudimentary passing going on. But the, look, they played to the game plan. Once he was in, using five defensive linemen and making them beat you through the air was the only way to go. We will have some questions on that later. But that's what you do if they're not going to bring in a quarterback that can pass. I said to you no less than five times, they're probably going to bring in Willis, right? Just assuming they had to get something going in that first half. Yeah, I, I figured they will. Credit would. Fuente. I'd say credit Fuente, not only in retrospect, but he didn't want to lose the game with Willis turnovers, which is why they lost some games earlier this year, or why they played poorly offensively earlier this year. They, they weren't going to turn it over. Patterson wasn't trying to squeeze it into any windows. 
So there was. Yeah, but a, I mean, they sure were limited in what they could do offensively yeah. with Patterson, which was no surprise. I mean, I, I, I'd seen him play, and he did well against North Carolina. He, had, you know, he led them to victory, so to speak. But you knew there were going to be limitations. Uh, we have a question on the cornerbacks in segment two. Um, the cornerbacks, when you add everything up, did a pretty decent job. I mean, there were only yeah. nine completions, but I think that maybe I'm so conditioned. You know, with, with pride struggling and with with Vaughn struggling throughout his entire career, that uh, you know, I mean, you 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 kind of ex, you look at the the plays that they don't make and say, well, you know, it's the cornerbacks doing what the cornerbacks do, but they only gave up uh, basically a, a what was it thirty seven or thirty five percent completion percentage I, in this game. I think you kind of recall when you're grading it on the spot that they were beaten on the touchdown. Virginia Tech's only touchdown too. If you think of. Third, right, one the, offensive touchdown. The fourth right. down beat a corner, the touchdown beat a corner, and that kind of goes in your mind yeah. as they didn't have a great day. But then you look at the stats, and there's nine completions. That's yeah, a good day overall, even well, though, no I mean, matter who's passing, nine for 28, your defense. Right, and I'm, I, you know, I look at the stats afterwards, I see Damon Hazelton, five catches, 63 yards. Is that all that he had? Trey Turner had two catches for 58 yards? I was a little surprised when I when I saw that, but... Notre Dame's defense did uh, really did a great job. Pete Sampson has joined us, uh, and Pete, we are um, obviously. Going I tried to over. say that I don't. I tried to do good, bad, and ugly for offensive defense. There wasn't much bad by the D. You've no, got to give up something. I I guess I asked Brian Kelly about the cornerback play today because I feel like it's been sort of like over uh, over analyzed or harped on too much. Like cornerbacks get beat. Um, that's like part of the job. Like, does Notre Dame have Bobby Taylor and, uh, you know, Todd Light, they do Todd Light out there, <laughs> out there? Yeah. No, they don't. Um, somebody asked me on Twitter, like, how would you sort of rate Notre Dame's corners against other top 20 teams? I'd just say that they're average. Um, you know, they're, they're not great at that position, but it's not, um, not abysmal either. And I think it's sort of been... <laughs> Portrayed that way on social media and well, message boards, like yeah, that. and I and and by me at times too, certainly because 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 I expected Troy Pride to be more of a yeah. playmaker. Oh and, sure, and he's yeah. just he's he's not. I totally give you that. I mean, yeah. it's, it's been it's been disappointing based on what I thought it would be, and what I think we all thought it would be in August. But I, I wouldn't say Notre Dame has a problem at corner right now. Next year they might. Um, well, I said that after yeah, the game yeah, on might. live TV. As yeah. a matter of fact, okay. I, I guess I would disagree. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. and I, I said I said they have an offensive line issue because of what, but I did say problem. And then, uh, you know, like I said in segment two, we have a question. I, I do, I, in retrospect, have to backtrack a little bit on that. But that was just kind of the. A lot of times you come out of the game with impressions that when you have an opportunity, again, we don't have the opportunity to see the. The entire TV version until for me like 24 hours later, and then you see it, and then you you understand things a little bit a little bit better. Um, so we move on to Duke. I Duke, I don't quite have figured out yet. I haven't had an opportunity to, to really really study them yet. I guess I have conflicting and mixed feelings about Duke. Uh, I I think that there are a lot of shortcomings. Headset. What your conflicting feelings are? What they have on the field versus what they have on the headsets. Well, that's that's part of it, and I, I don't want to I, I don't want to give David Cutcliffe too much credit. I've said it over and over again, but I do think that he maximizes talent about as well as anybody does. And if that means seven and five or six and six, that's 
still pretty good for them. Duke was one and eleven, two and ten. Like, right. I mean, that, right. that's a huge jump. Um, they've made they've made Duke a team they have to take seriously. It's a six and a half point spread now. This is crazy. It's, oh, six it's that. <clears throat> No, that, I don't get it. That's I can't go. I yeah, can't tells go you Duke on that. I cannot go. The Duke one thing that I did say to you on Saturday before the uh, before the Virginia Tech game was, I think they've got some defensive linemen, and then Brian Kelly echoed that. Yeah, uh, today if you have two offensive linemen out and run game inefficiencies anyway, and if your run game inefficiencies lead to Ian Book inefficiencies, and you have as many three and outs as you had against Virginia, you know they had one fewer three and out against Virginia Tech's defense. In competitive game action than they had against Michigan. Really? Now, Dracovic had one as well, so it would be two. Yeah, but yeah. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, one fewer than you had against that defense in the rain. They, are a, they are a three and out machine. Yeah, and they worked. They had gotten away from it. Now, Georgia only forced four, including a fourth down. Um, Virginia was up there with, with six, I believe. But if you add up every Power 5 team, so it would be four other teams, there were 15 three and outs. Virginia, USC, Louisville, and Georgia. Virginia Tech and Michigan, there were 15 three and outs. That's a lot of that's a lot of that's a big difference in two week span. It's a big difference. Of course, you don't throw in the the bad teams they played. Uh, Harris, their quarterback, I I I have not seen a whole lot. uh, The guy they just played. Well, there's no doubt he's better than Patterson, but I haven't seen a whole lot that tells me he's a real difference maker per se. He is a run pass threat. Um, You know, I don't I don't think he's Bryce Perkins. Um, but you know, they, they, they have uh, Bobo is a, uh, is a receiver that I see. He's, he came on at least against, against North Carolina. I believe it was that game where he did. I don't, I don't really, I, I haven't had an opportunity to study them. Like I had Michigan and even Virginia tech at this point, uh, as far as Duke, do you know anything? Any uh, input I mean, you have there? It's a total rebuild at receiver. Um, and I think in some ways they, they may have, Surprised in spots this season. I mean, they they go to Virginia Tech and absolutely blow the doors off them, yeah. which is probably like one of the only time Notre Dame fans have actually watched Duke this year. Um, Virginia destroyed them, but but I think they're they're basically like every other team in the ACC Coastal, where they can play well and they can play terribly. They and that that seems to have happened. It's kind of a give and take from yeah. one week to the next, and so I wonder how they'll play against Notre Dame. I mean, I like I like <laughs> yeah. the quarterbacks play against Virginia Tech. I mean, he seemed like he's control. I mean, they have uh, Deion Jackson who's a running back. Notre Dame really liked in recruiting. Yes, um, not much of a jump pass thrower. At the goal line, uh, if you saw the way their game against it. North Carolina ended, really one of the the worst trick plays I've ever seen. Um, but I mean, he's he's somebody that would play at Notre Dame right now. Um, so that's you know, while Notre Dame is more talented, basically at every other position, they actually do have a legit running back that Notre Dame liked in recruiting. And I think that you know, if you ask Chip Long after the fact, he's kind of like, why didn't why didn't we offer this guy? Because um, he was sort of in that bridge group between mm-hmm. sixteen and seventeen. So it's like Cutcliffe is excellent. Um, I think he's one of nine Power Five coaches who have been on their job longer than Brian Kelly has. Um, you know, the full decade kind of thing. And I mean, I'm trying to think of when Duke was here in 2007, okay. when they were atrocious, and Notre Dame was also atrocious, and Notre Dame Just had no problem yeah, with them. That team that's, had no problem. That's where Duke was. That's pretty worse than Notre Dame 2007 by a lot. I will say, kind of to tease our coverage Thursday, just talking to Adam Rowe from our uh, Duke site 24-7, The Devil's Den, uh, he mentioned that 
with Jackson and the offensive line, the offensive line only gives up one and a half sacks a game and four tackles for loss a game. So if Duke can run and you're not behind the chains a lot, that's fewer three and outs. And it's a pass rush that can be contained on third and four. I think it's going to be interesting to watch how Cutcliffe handles this game, maybe shortening the game against Notre Dame. If you can find, if you have a good offensive line and a reliable running back and a reliable quarterback and not a terrible defense, you can squeeze that game to the point where you are wondering why it's a 10-point game right. in the fourth quarter. Right. For those that don't remember, David Cutcliffe was Charlie Weiss's choice as offensive coordinator. He came to Notre Dame. I remember interviewing him. I remember thinking, yeah, you know what I mean. What a what a gentleman he was. What a like you know, kind of a kind uh, soul with, and he is the Manning uh, the the Manning quarterback whisperer. That's right. Pretty good yeah. thing to uh, tie your resume. Yeah, to. yeah. And, and Daniel Jones and they and Daniel Jones and they and that you know Peyton and Eli uh, swear by him. I, I you know I think they even still. Well, not Peyton. He's not playing anymore. And Eli barely is. But, uh, you know, they would, during the off season. that's who they would go to, just kind of like a little bit of refresher course and, and brush up. So very highly respected. I often wonder what would have happened had he not had a heart attack and actually coached at Notre Dame. And coached Jimmy Clausen. He would have coached Jimmy Clausen. I mean. He wouldn't have been here, though. Oh, Brady Quinn only. Yeah. yeah. There's okay. no way he would have been here third, for a third, third, class. third year. Good point. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't think that. Charlie Weiss didn't necessarily struggle with offense, at least passing offense. I think David Cutcliffe would have given him a better vision of how to handle the running game and how to balance things. That probably wouldn't have changed the mess that it was on the defensive side of the ball, which is ultimately where most of the problems were. But just, you know, how it all would have evolved had he been around here for five years. I don't think that Notre Dame necessarily would have said, that's the guy we want to replace Charlie Weiss because he's not a real a real big personality or, or somebody that you would say, okay, that's who you want representing Notre Dame. Although I, I, he's, I think he's a quality human being the little bit that I got to know him from everything that people have said about him. It just would have been interesting to see the direction of Notre Dame football with him around for five years and what would have happened after Charlie Weiss left. I agree. Uh, I mean, I mean, he's just a really talented coach. I mean, that's kind of a perpetually one of those perpetually underrated guys. You know, so when, when national media put out their top twenty coaches, David Cutcliffe's almost never on. Right, right. but a guy he should like, be. It's he, like kind of like Bill Snyder at Kansas State. Clawson. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah, Dave Clawson. Dave Clawson too. Wake um, Forest. You know, it's never winning to the point where you're like, oh my god, this guy's a top twenty coach. But I think it's it's just like if you just gave him all. All things being equal, the same roster, the same facilities, like he would be, he would be winning kind of, games at the level of Brian Kelly or Kirby Smart. Yeah. I mean, kind of hard to get Orange Bowl bids when you're at Duke at yeah. Wake Forest. It's just difficult. But when you can, when you can consistently win seven, eight, nine games, you know you got a pretty good coach there. All right, we'll be back. Segment two: Burning up the boards. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We are back. This is segment two, Burning Up the Boards. Irish Illustrated Insider. We're going to start with a question from Wash ND. 
So what? who is the main culprit for the offense being so poor? A, Chip Long. B, Ian Book. C, Jeff Quinn in the offensive line. D, Scheme. That's kind of Chip Long. E, lack of speed at all the skill positions. Or is it a combination of some or all of these things? As any journalist can tell you, as soon as you end the question with, or is it a mix of everything, the answer will be, it is a mix of everything. Uh, in this case, it is a mix of everything. Uh, although, I, I guess I'm reluctant to put a ton of it on Ian Book because he is what he is as a quarterback. Like, Don't ask him to be Peyton Manning because that's... I mean, there there was a time five years ago. I remember clear as day there was a post on the Four Horsemen Lounge about why George Atkinson doesn't run more like Adrian Peterson, and I'm just like, because he's not as good. That's why. Like Ian Book is, I think it, it's worth remembering. Ian Book is one time Washington State commitment. Ian Book. Ian Book was. Former backup to Brandon Wimbush, Ian Book, who's now playing receiver at UCF. Like, he's got some skills and some ability, but I think that um, to ask him to go out there and win games like he's Brady Quinn or Joe Montana, I think is just kind of ridiculous. What are they asking him to do within the offensive scheme that he's not capable of doing? Well, I <coughs> as Doug Flutie made this point on the broadcast, and like props to Doug Flutie for bringing this up, is kind of a question I asked Brian Kelly about last week. Teams have figured out how Notre Dame plays with Ian Book now. It's not, you know, we, we can talk about regression all we want, but to me, teams have figured out what Notre Dame does with Ian Book as his quarterback. Uh, that's Flutie's point was, like, they want to do sort of play-action shots, and then they zone it underneath now. They take away all that other stuff, and that that's how you end up throwing the ball straight to a linebacker. Um can Ian Book be better than what he's playing? Absolutely. I'm not absolving him of everything here, but I just I think that it's is much more on Chip Long, Jeff Quinn, and the scheme than it is on Book or the lack of speed at the skill positions. But I think, which I think is actually a legitimate and so, issue. So when he overthrows uh, Cole Komet in the end zone twice in a game. Was that was that? No, that would be the part on book. Yeah, book is still involved. too long. A, book okay. is still involved. No, it's sure. like that's a throw he's got to make. Yeah. I thought it was it was encouraging if you're Notre Dame that that throw was even made because for the better part of the season, book doesn't even get to that throw. Um, at you it's not his, you mean in his progressions? Yeah, he doesn't. He either doesn't see it or he doesn't make it there. Um, so I thought that was good. That that's a throw that I feel like he can make and well, needs and, to make. And when he sees it, he 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 won't throw it. And the perfect example for me in this game, and there there are, there's an example in every game, at least one. Uh, first and ten from the seventeen. This is pri- just prior to the Armstrong fumble. He's rolling to his right. Chris Fink is rolling that way. It's an easy pitch and catch for seven. Eight yards, maybe. So second and three at the 10. And he throws it out of the back. He sees him. He looks at him. He turns <clears> his head <throat> to look at him and then throws it out of the back of the end zone. Um, I mean, to me, those – and it, I'm not disagreeing with you. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's certainly a combination of these things. But Do you think it's lack of – identity is the wrong word I always use. But lack of physicality and identity contributes to it? Well, I think, I think it I think it – of overall with the yeah. scheme, well, I, first of all, I think it's a lack of confidence with 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 Ian Book, um, and yeah, the inability to to always be able to turn to the running game. 
I think that's going to hurt third, any offense. Third and two is a pass. That's just a that's a rough place to be. They don't have faith in, and now it's going to be harder to have faith in it because yeah, the it's a pass down. first. It's a quarterback scramble yeah. second, that's and then and then it's a traditional run play. And I and I I mean I just we talk about pocket presence. I, I guess we talk about these things all the time. I just he won't step up. He doesn't. When he decides to run, he's extremely decisive and he's he's explosive, but he won't he won't use that same explosiveness to step up into the pocket, and that's where he needs to be many times to to be able to to be a true run pass RPO threat at the quarterback position. Throw over the year on fourth down to Claypool it, down to the goal line to set up the winning run. Tremendous. He had, he. Just, I mean, by everything. He hung in there and he looked. I mean, I guess it was early in a progression, so it wasn't everything. But stepped into the throw. Stepped into the throw and fired it. I mean, it was that was the book. That's what you just assume you would see from me in book all year. Right. Like. I thought that would be a regular route. Right. Yeah. You're seeing that three times a game. So. So it's, it but, is a combination. But I'd say E E is a completely underrated part. I don't think enough people spend time on E. That's why I asked Brian Kelly about it on Sunday. They are so average at the skill positions other than Komet and Claypool. And... I realize we've seen flashes from guys in practice. Mm-hmm. Those guys are are just okay. Um, maybe they'll be good down the road, but right now they're, I can see they're just with confidence being okay. Good down the road. Yeah, no, Michael Young and Kevin Austin. I mean, it start it's it adds up at a certain point. You know, well, yeah, I, mean, we're I mean, the offense we saw on the first day of training camp will play zero snaps together the entire year. That's correct. Irish, Irish, I was tailgating. How much more should we appreciate Tony Jones after watching game and a fumble without him? Yeah. I mean, they, Tony Jones would have definitely helped. 19 carries, 37 yards, 11 stuffs for Jafar Armstrong. That's not all on him. A fumble. That's mostly on him. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I don't, I don't, it's great. I don't know that Tony Jones, may, other than the fumble, I don't know that Tony Jones makes much of a difference you know, in this game. Tony Jones has run a lot harder than Jafar Armstrong. For when he left USC, oh, you don't think Armstrong ran? You don't think no, through? I mean, hitting the hole? No, I don't. Well, no. I mean, I, lowered his head on the screen. There was a run I, where he ran right, think, and you're yelling at him, "Go, go!" I well, mean, I know, no, he Jones doesn't. Was barely well, that's why I think of Dexter Williams because he doesn't have that explosiveness. I thought he ran physically. I mean, he put he I he slammed he slammed into people, but that doesn't make you quick through the hole. Yeah. That he's not, and I don't know if that's. I, I don't know if that's some hesitancy on his part or if that's just not that. Remember how Dexter Dexter Williams went from zero to sixty in an instant. Oh, I'm not comparing to Dexter Tony Jones. I'm saying, you remember how Tony Jones ran last year, and then compare to how he was running this year. He looked like a different human being. I think Jafar Armstrong can get there, but he's not there now for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, second more. second part of the question: How big is the drop off between the pairing of Kramer Hainsey and Rulin Lug? Their two best offensive linemen are out for the year. Pretty big. Rulin's going to need help, too. Um, with his injuries, and he's talking about, I can't, you know, tomorrow's going to be terrible. He's got five straight weeks of that now, where he was not in the, as heavily involved. He, I, would, I would think you, if John Dirksen can help, he's got to start helping, right? Rotating it, you actually rotate him in. You pr- you probably need yeah you need to do that. I he's not doing he did ninety one snaps ruling probably ninety or ninety one snaps so add another two hundred and fifty over the next month I would think he's going to need help. <laughs> and and you know I mean I don't care how much you condition what Lug had to go through on Saturday. Yeah, he was hurting the next day too. Uh, I mean you're just not your body does just 
doesn't adapt that quickly. But very quickly, we think Dirksen's the next garden, and that Aaron Taylor, as brought up also by Kelly today, Aaron Taylor, be a nice move. Yeah. Aaron what? Banks is the tackle that will pop out from guard. If Lug got hurt. If Lug or... Or, or Eichenberg, gets, just, Eichenberg gets hurt. Because uh, you don't have another... You're not going to yeah. play... You're not going to play Christophic. I mean, Kelly even said it. Brett Kovach, do you see any shuffling of the offensive line now they're down two starters? Well, Kelly mentioned that Patterson could play tackle. He mentioned that Grunhard could move into center if they did that. Banks can play tackle. Uh, obviously, well, although Brian Kelly said Lug is a tackle now for sure. Yeah, they don't have but he has, but he has some, he, he has a, you know, he's listed six, six, and seven eighths. Josh Lug? Yeah, he's a big dude. I, I don't think, I, I don't realize it. I don't see that when I see him. You know, I mean, like, when you saw McGlinchey, you knew he was every bit of six, seven. Uh, 6'9". Yeah, <laughs> right. Massive. Right. Yeah, I think he was born. But, you know, as far as the shuffling, I mean, you don't want to... Do, you, you're already forced to shuffle. You don't want to yeah. shuffle too much more than you already have. I think have. they need help. I think Rula needs help. Yeah. No, I mean, this is this is a... This is a massive deal that probably you could spend... We could spend a whole podcast on where the offensive line is going because I think on Saturday it's... it's people are going to be like, oh, yeah, Kramer was actually really good. I mean, I just think that's how well, it's and, then, and Hainsey too. And I mean, Hainsey's experience and his leadership, and you're you're missing a huge amount there. Way to go, K man! Tommy Tremble can make Ian Book's life easier. Why not use him more for three to five catches a game? I don't think he's really played all that well late. <laughs> not recently. since September. I Made mean, the yeah. drop against Michigan over the middle, which I mean should have been just automatic. And was it the Virginia game where he just? He didn't look like he right, and I and I and I think at a certain point they just decided, okay, it's not his day. We're not going to use him. Um, yeah, I, I thought that the bye was going to help guys like that that had hit the wall. He is a rookie. I mean, it's his yeah. first time playing. The way he looked against Louisville, Georgia, was different than the way he looked against even USC, Virginia, going in. Yeah, and his touchdown this past week that was a scheme touchdown. Yeah, I mean Brock Wright could have that touchdown. Um, my theory, I was right with Way to Go came in a month and a half ago. I thought Tommy Tremble and the 12 package was going to take yeah. Chris Fink out of the slot off the field a little bit more. Um, if Tremble, I mean, if Tremble could rise to the occasion, I think Chip Long wants to use him a little bit more, don't you? Yeah, I yeah. would think so. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I mean, it's his first year of eligibility. Yeah. There's plenty. There's I plenty think of time he's hit the wall a little bit. Tommy Tremble, Terry Benedict. What is the most points you expect this offense will score in a game from here on out? Omel, O'Malley's the guy to answer that first. Well, it better be over 31 in two weeks. <laughs> or I'm telling you, and I'm already telling you, actually. Uh, I'm in the I'm in the 31 range. I think they'll get there. Oh, you know what? Boston College has a terrible Woo! defense. All right. I think other than the Boston College game, they are going to score 31 and under. And that the Boston College game, anything could happen in points. I mean, they could they could score forty points against BC, other than the weather. But BC is going to be able to run the ball in Notre Dame too. That that's a they're they're off. Their defense is terrible. Boston they're College, really they're walking over. So they will score on BC unless the weather <clears throat> says just stops. Them. Stanford's defense is not very good either. Yeah, they better. But I don't. There but too. yeah. But I don't. Yeah, I don't know about. I mean, it's not. I don't think they're going to score against them like they will against BC. Yeah. BC. Yeah. Navy. Uh, wow. That is a. That that is possessions not to get yeah not to get ahead of ourselves here, but that is such a scary game because of that exactly possessions because if you have you just cannot afford to have empty possessions and maybe 
I mean, regardless who the competition is, they're 22nd in the country in total defense. So teams are having difficulty moving the football on them, and which means Notre Dame will because their offense is so inconsistent right now. I would say over 30 just once. Yeah. I, just, I, I, I mean, I, the trend, line, trend lines of the offense are not changing. No one's – the offensive line just got worse. That that doesn't mean you're so – oh, we're going to have a breakout performance. Like, I don't what, – whatever happened with Ian Book on Saturday and his confidence and where that's going is not going to be more significant than losing Robert Hainsey and Tommy Kramer. I have three announces, something we should watch for during the early part of the Duke game because if you see it continuing, it's, it's just the reality as opposed <clears> to the scuffling offense. Dashing Domer, let's assume that Ian Book is not a viable NFL prospect going into this offseason. Would the coaches welcome him back as a third-year starter, despite the risk of losing Phil Dracovic to transfer? Or would they value all that experience more and hope he recaptures some of his 2018 excellence? Uh, I don't know the answer to this, other than I just don't think that Book and Dracovic will be on the both will be on the roster next year. Like, one will be here and one will not. I don't know which one. I, yeah, I would say the odds are pretty high that that statement you just made is, yeah. is true. Um, I don't think that's and it's a, just those two. Every year there's ever been yeah, most controversy. Right, here. right. Yeah, I, I, it's a great question because um, I think they, they would lean towards having Book come back for a, as a third-year starter. And if I were Phil Dracovic, I absolutely would get out of Dodge at that point. Yeah, I just I don't know what Ian Book's mindset is going to be, whether he wants to come back to Notre Dame. How about the coaches wanting him to come back to Notre Dame? That's the first part. I, I think, think that they, yeah, they, they yes. Yes, okay. They have to. I mean, I think the coaches will want Ian Book to return. Um, they would have begged him before the season. Yeah, I just I just don't know where Ian Book's going to be with that, if he wants to, to stick around here or not. Um, you know, clearly there's... Would he grad transfer? Yeah, I mean, why not? It's, that happens... Happens all the time. Yeah, all as the, the, the starter, as the starter, that yeah. happens all the time. I, well, maybe not as a starter, but like. Well, that's a pretty big difference. Well, that's I. This is. He would return Ian Book as a scored the game-winning touchdown last week, and then put his finger to his mouth to tell Notre Dame Stadium to shut up. That's we are in weird times right now with Notre Dame's quarterback situation. He wasn't doing number one. No, I know. <laughs> not either of those. Yes. He wasn't doing either of the number ones. Um, that's that is just weird stuff. Did, so, he, did he tell you that? I watched him do it. Uh, well, I know. Yeah. I, I understand, but I, but but somebody can react in the moment. At, so he was telling Nordic fans to shut up. Is that what he Quiet. was doing? Like when you do, you see players do it on the road all the time. Yeah, I know. Um, that's that's what was happening. I think. It was, I just have not seen anything like that. I mean, this. I no. I I, I know. I understand the yeah. picture, but did somebody validate to you that that's what he was doing, or is that the only? That's the only interpretation that can be. I think that's the only interpretation that can be, especially after the game when he's talking about people hating him when you lose. I'm glad Brian Kelly let me ask that question because yeah. that turned out to be that yeah. turned yeah. out to be well, I mean, book, and, and book said it too. I think you might have asked book directly. No, that was when he oh. said it when when yeah. I Oh, okay, that's right. You're right, right. That was yeah. a different question, yeah. Think, and and then he tweets out the photo of him running over the goal line with the emoji of someone putting their finger to their mouth with Okay. I I just I don't think there's any okay. other way to look at All it. All right, and 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 so I mean, I think you and I were writing from the same perspective that it was a miserable week for Ian Book, and Brian Kelly has said that. Um, I was simply trying to capture what 
the reality here at Notre Dame was, um, and I'm not sure that that was completely well received, but that was the reality of what Ian Book and Brian Kelly in Notre Dame were going through last year. They Last week. Last week. Yeah. They uh, absolutely felt all the hate following the Michigan game. Did they deserve that? Well, I guess in the college football world of fandom, yeah, they deserve that, but that was how the team felt last week. I think logically I'm going to guess Ian Book is back quarterbacking Notre Dame next year. It makes the most sense. Yeah. I, I just – I see your points. Both. I'm yeah. just saying that's the logical yeah. thing. It's, it makes the most sense that he'll be back. I'm just not sure that he will be. And I think these are just weird times with the Notre Dame quarterback situation. J-Lo Raw. Did I say that many I'm not sure. Yeah, well, more clutch at the end of the game. Booker Bramlett. I would say uh, – I mean, you know how I love – uh, I would say Bramlett because yeah. I mean they're because Book is out there playing the whole game and playing a whole year. I totally agree. But, I mean Bramlett's got and he handled it. I, I mean I just I, I, I I've 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 grown to love Jay Bramlett. <laughs> he better he better transfer too before I, he starts to hate him. No, I mean just I I love everything about the kid. I I, I mean as a as a competitor now he's added this is something different yeah. but now he's added that directional punt. With distance to it, it's like the punt whisperer, he's he's, he's tremendous, <laughs> and this he just calmly handled it. Uh, he kind of pinned the ball on the ground. I mean, and, and he pinned it, put it up. Door even had to hesitate yeah. a little bit. Also clutch, and he drilled it. I mean, those two guys. I total respect for those two guys. So I guess I would choose Bramlett. Hey, you'll choose Bramlett because if that game goes into overtime because of a box snap, you know who gets blamed for it? Brian Kelly. <laughs> so Jay Bramlett. Made a more so than Brian Pullian. Jay Bramblett made an amazing play by a true freshman punter. Statman seventy two. The defense employed a three man front against USC, weakening weakening the defense against the run. The defense employed a five man line against Virginia Tech, weakening the defense against the pass. Both strategies were considered successful because Notre Dame had narrow wins of uh, over ten and seventeen point underdogs. Should we be concerned that Notre Dame could not rely on its base defense in this in those games, or should we just applaud Clark Lee for his creativity? I don't actually think Statman72 asked this. I think he asked for us to use this question, so I don't remember who exactly asked it. But So we can't jump down Statman72's throat for it? No, okay. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't jump down Statman72's throat anyway. Look, I mean, look, they gave up. One touchdown last week against Virginia Tech and against USC with Sean Crawford out. They held USC down for three quarters. And prevented Michael. Really the point was to prevent Michael Pittman from beating you. Which they did. Because he yeah. does that to most other teams when USC wins. Yeah, he did it the very next week at Colorado. Right. Um, I. I would applaud Arizona, a def- I believe, uh, yeah. I would pl- applaud a defensive coordinator for getting very creative, but also not outthinking himself. Where you have all these assignment errors, guys running around uncovered, bad run fits. I thought they they he's done a really nice job. So I would applaud that. I mean, I look Clark Lee's perspective on USC was in all of their wins. They have huge numbers of explosive plays in the pass game. And all of their losses, they run the ball really well. So 
You can so that's of, weird times too. You yeah. can dictate that if you're a defense coordinator, and that's what they did, and it worked. I uh, the risk the most recent game, he didn't weaken the pass defense. He put his corners in a little bit of jeopardy, the smallest possible amount of jeopardy compared to what happens if you don't stop Patterson I mean, from think, running. Think that's about all. what like what it took for Trey Turner to make that catch. Yeah, it was yeah. ridiculous. It, that was just a great idea against a t- one dimensional offense, and it, it, I he. Obviously had that plan. They were ready yeah. for it. They could have thought Hooker might I, play. I wish they had done that against Michigan, honestly. Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> they, they daring Shea Patterson to pass in rain would have been a great idea. Well, Shea it, Patterson couldn't even see Kyle Hamilton <laughs> down the field. It's matchup football. I mean, that, 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 that's the game today. It's not. It, you're not admitting weakness by doing that. It's, it's matchup football. I realize you don't want to get away from your strengths, but... You want to weaken the strengths of the opponent. I think that's what Notre Dame did. To be fair to the question, if Sean Crawford and Julian Love were playing against USC, I don't think they would have looked right. at their defense and said, we need to do right. something. They would have. So they are admitting we were not able to guard. What are Notre Dame's strengths? Defensive line play? Virginia Tech, you get five out there at once. What are Notre Dame's strengths? They have three really good safeties. Get all three yeah. of them out there at once against USC. I would say they played to their strengths in both those game plans. I would agree with that. Denver Maximus. How is it that Notre Dame allows teams like Virginia Tech with their third-string one-dimensional quarterback to dictate what they do on defense? I understand weekly adjustments to the offense you're facing, but it takes away the strength and identity of the defense. I don't think it took away the strength and identity of the defense. Yeah, I'm sorry. We we kind of yeah. uh, answered this question already. Um, we don't agree with that perspective. So what was the uh, what was the strength being taken away, though? They brought in an extra good player in Jameer Jones. Yeah, they I thought... I mean, when I, remember I turned to you, Tim, and I said... Virginia Tech is not going to be able to score today, and they only scored one touchdown. They did. They did move and get a, and kick a couple field goals, and defense rose up. But when I saw the five defensive linemen out there and saw that they were manning up on the corners, like everybody else, there's a little bit of concern about the corners manning up because I know I know this Virginia Tech receiving core, and they actually, you know, I mentioned uh, uh, Robinson, their freshman. He had one. I think he had one. He was targeted one time, and he dropped it. I mean, the guy, the guy, the kids was having a really good season. Uh, so he would have been coming out of the slot and was in probably running into some zone coverage underneath and just wasn't open. But uh, I mean, like Trey Turner doesn't make that catch. Patterson is eight of twenty-eight for eighty-nine yards. Yeah, they did a good job. They did a really good job. Any Davis, Brian Kelly continues to reference the identity of the team as physical. How can you how can you be physical and have fifty-plus pass attempts in a game? In this game, there are ninety-one snaps. Yeah, and four, uh, 14 of those came on the last drive. Four, yeah, 14 came on the last drive where you can't run very often. So, I mean, remove that. It was 39 snap, 39 passes and 36 runs probably. Did they run more than twice? Maybe 35 runs going into the last drive. That's not – I don't have too big of a problem with that, and I'm Mr. Run because it's the absence of Yeah, but, pass. I mean, I, I get the point. I mean, yeah, I want oh, to yeah, say I, they're physical, and a lot of times they're not physical. I, I mentioned I think that's the one adding to the list of problems mm. for the Notre Dame offense is they're not that physical. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're that physical. <laughs> so that's, but the, the number of passes in this particular game was dictated by the circumstances. I yeah, think. it's yeah. if they threw ten passes this week or ninety passes this week, it would not change my opinion of their physicality. I agree with that. Go ahead, Stu Fish Double Zero. <laughs> was everyone wrong about Chip Long? Uh, I think that he's struggling right now, and I think sometimes offensive coordinators struggle when the pieces don't fit particularly well. Um, they'd lost Kevin Austin from the beginning. They lost Michael Young from the beginning. They lost Cole Komet from the beginning and got him back. 
They've lost a portion of their line. As Pete has said for nine months, the running back recruiting has been so right. subpar. They don't have Dexter but, Williams anymore. But again, I'm not making excuses for Chip Long. He's the offensive coordinator. It's his it's his responsibility to find a way. I, I think I think some of the pieces are missing and have been missing from the beginning or haven't fit together. But it's it's totally on him for starters to find ways to be successful offensively. And your stat, Tim, about three and outs, I mean, that yeah. speaks volumes. That's too many. You can't have that with – I understand they're struggling a little bit with losing the linemen, but you got to find a way. To, and, and Michigan's going to force three and outs, especially in the rain. They're a great defense at home. Virginia Tech's not a great defense on the road against Notre Dame. But there was too much. It's No, you get you get schemed a little bit by Bud Foster, but yeah. still they're not they're not a quality defense. You they're they're trend they're starting they were god awful last year. They're at least starting to you they, know, they gave places. up yeah. you know they gave they up five and a half yards of carry last year. They were bad. So they're trending, but they're still not a good they defense. They got through the Duke game. Yeah, you're right. It's, yeah. It's, Duke put it on them. Duke destroyed them. It's I will say I threw up a little in my mouth of the third and eighteen screen to Fink when they had to get some yards for the field goal. Kind of not going to work if it gets to him anyway. Mm-hmm. You're getting six yards, and it's the same situation in the field goal attempt. Now you didn't want to throw a pick. You didn't want to even book to force one downfield on third and eighteen because you had a field goal attempt for Door that he has hit. Right, so right, I right. Do get the safety of the play, safety of a play on a slant to Claypool, something like that is also. And of course, Cole Komet exists too. You know, there's guys that can break tackles. If they catch a seven-yard pass and pick up that first down, and then there was what was going on there. Yeah, but we don't. I mean, we don't know the coverage on those guys specifically at that time. So, uh, but I mean, the play didn't work, so it's a bad play call. I, I mean, I, I I get that that's that's the world that the offensive coordinator lives in. It, that's not literally true all the time. I guess I'm saying to but, follow up, like if you want to get the ball to your playmakers, work on getting a ball to a playmaker on the most important down. That could be. I know I, I, he has to read everything out, but didn't it seem like the play was to get Fink about seven yards to make an easier field goal? It couldn't have been a play they were trying to get a first down on, on third and eighteen. Right. Yeah, those plays That's, don't really exist. Yeah. JJ Alwine, predict the starting defensive backfield next year. Is Isaiah Pryor a lock to play next to Kyle Hamilton? Wouldn't say he's a lock. Um, Houston Griffith obviously is going to have to make make up a lot of ground here because. He hasn't made any headway um, since playing playing a lot as a as a freshman. Um, I have Tim. Were you aware of uh, Sean Crawford's comments about a six year? Did yep. you hear this? Yep. That was just wrote down. What if what? Kyle Hamilton's playing next to Sean Crawford next year? Yeah. Wait a minute. Sean Crawford like now daggers at you. Yeah, yeah but since said that uh, he was misquoted. He was missing, or at least misinterpreted. misinterpreted. He wasn't not, mis- not by me. He was not misquoted not by, by Irish no. Illustrated. No, Absolutely we not. Thing, we got the whole thing out there. Um, I also would like to point out that when Sean Crawford shot those daggers, he was one hundred percent healthy and ready to move on from college football, and he has since dislocated his elbow. And oh, probably quite point. grateful that he is involved in college football again. And Notre Dame probably looks at their secondary and said, Sean. Want to come back and be a team captain next year at Notre Dame? And now he's thinking to himself, they'll want me more than the combine does. Is that fair? Yeah, sure. I, I don't. I don't know that DJ Brown will be ready. Um, I, you know, you'd like to think that at some point, just the sheer talent level of Houston Griffith would really start to emerge. So I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't think Pryor's a lock. Um, I intend to have some type of film review here. Um, 
sometime early this week. Um, when, I, when I was talking to one of the coaches about prior and just like kind of like, what's the deal here? And the perspe- the perception on him from Notre Dame staff was it wasn't like he's going to come in and start. It was we can't play. We can't go back to last year when it was Elliot and Gilman for 99% of the snaps. We need Griffith, Hamilton, and Pryor to be like our three safeties. So whether that means Griffith start and Pryor is the, the rotational guy or the other way around, I, I don't know if it really matters, but they have they have another another asset back there to use. Well, and you, you have some true freshmen coming in that I think are flex. There's some flexibility there. Bartleson, um, I think there's some... I think there's some flexibility there with them, but then you know, then you're talking about true freshman. Yeah, no thanks. Well, but you have true fresh freshman well, now, but he's a freak. That, that's insulting. He's a freak. <laughs> he's a freak, man. You guys think he'll start next year? Yeah. Indy <laughs> Irish fan eighty eight. What percent chance do you see Phil Jakovic again this season? Either because of poor play for Ian Book or a blowout or injury. There's a differentiation there. I mean, I, I Ian Book, I think, would have to string together poor games before he would lose his job for, uh, or before Dracovic would be on the field because of Book's poor play. I can't envision Phil Dracovic playing because of Book's play this year. I agree. Uh, blowout. I, I think Notre Dame's going to have one really good game in them and then some uh, games where they have to pull it out. I think they will have a game where Dracovic can get back on the field. And injury. I mean, Dracovic's in. Easily happen. Yes. It's his job then. And, and honestly, that's the worst case for Ian Book in Notre Dame, but I bet Phil Dracovic would probably play pretty well upon first entry, and then the defensive coordinator will look and say, all right, here's what we have to stop, and then that's what the challenge would be I, I, I would agree. I would agree with that. It, like it happened with – it's happened with Ian Book. CMU Penns fan, short of potential injury, what the heck did Tariq Bracey do wrong to lose so much playing time to Dante Vaughn? Well, I asked about Tariq Bracey uh, on Sunday with our teleconference with with Brian Kelly, uh, and I and I get it. I mean, <clears throat> they were going to match they, they matched Dante Vaughn against Damon Hazelton. You know that that sounds a, bad too. Which is <laughs> it worked I mean, okay. It did it it <laughs> worked it worked pretty well. Uh, Tariq Bracey is still in catch up mode strength mode strength wise. Um, he did say he expected him to play more this week. I don't know if that was what he normally says about. He said that about running backs too, and they didn't. But yeah. I can see that being the case for Tariq Bracy. I think he's fine at Georgia. Yeah, yeah. I, he was actually good. Yeah, he was, he was, he was, I like him as a player. I, 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 I do too. I liked it. I liked him from high school. He's just he's just catching up. Um, unfortunately, he will be down to two years of eligibility. Uh, but uh, do we have a question about who's starting in the secondary next year somewhere? Go, we will. We, are, we will have we already answered. We will have many oh. too. Yeah, yeah, we just didn't do corners. Oh, okay. Um, I think he'll definitely be starting next <laughs> yes, year. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Kay Beasley, I'm deeply concerned that minus Chase Claypool, our receivers have little separation, and 220 looks bleak if Komet and McKinley leave. Imagine this question. Yeah. McKinley <laughs> paired with Komet a long time ago. Does the staff feel Austin Keys, Jordan Johnson are good enough for the future? And he didn't include Lindsay, but should in there as well. Yeah, I wow. I share your about it. I share Kay Beasley's concerns. Um, I bet they're up. Yeah, I would believe that they're optimistic about right. Austin Keys, Lindsey, I mean, and Johnson. They're optimistic about Kevin Austin this year. Oh, we have already. He's still a unicorn until he's out there yeah. in September for me. I know he's straight and narrow now. I have no but, doubt in my mind. I, <laughs> I have, you, you and I, I have talked no, about this. I have no doubt in my mind that Kevin Austin will be on the field next year. 
No doubt in my mind. Which field? The Nordame <laughs> game field. Okay. No doubt in my mind. Kevin Austin will be there. How about this year? Just kidding. <laughs> He's running out of time. <laughs> Although there are four games left, so he could play them all, right? Yeah. I don't expect that yeah. to happen. Uh, Komet is the key to this whole thing. Bring back Komet, and those receivers have a good year running around open. Yeah. Yeah. You right. know, McKinley. He should he, come back. He, you absolutely. He should absolutely come back. Where would he McKinley? go? McKinley? Great transfer. Just like, look, they're going to go together. Tear it yeah. up. McKin- McKinley's the starter yeah. next year, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Psycho3848 Yeah. Well, it's a question for me, so I guess you should ask Tim P, could you please explain why you had Such a negative reaction to cornerback play When only nine passes were completed for less than 150 Are you downgrading them for Quincy Patterson Not being a good quarterback? Well, I definitely downgraded him because of Quincy yeah. Patterson Especially early Because he was really missing guys uh, But I didn't give enough credit To, to Pride and, and Vaughn They they did a pretty good job I, I just don't I don't like the way they play the ball. I mean, they don't, neither one of them play the ball properly. Um, you know, pride is there all the time, but he's, 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 he's lunging. He's totally off balance trying to make a play on a guy. I, I, I mean, I don't really, I don't like the way either one of them play the ball, but they did some, they, I, I undervalued their performance against Virginia tech. As I think we said in the first second, they're just, they're okay. I mean, they're they're fine. They're among top twenty teams, they're probably right in the middle in terms of cornerback play uh, among the, among those groups. ND Sports today. Do you think this Notre Dame team is faster, has more depth, and is just overall better than last year's team? Like Kirk Herbstreit said. Hell yeah, I do. I mean, you watch the run game. Wait, I mean, look at. The Virginia Tech game last year, how were those touchdowns scored? Miles Boykin had two, Dexter Williams had three, and Julian Love had one. All three of them are gone playing in the NFL. And they haven't really been replaced. I mean, we're talking about the cornerback play being average. Nobody ever said that when Julian Love was out there. So you're being sarcastic. Yeah, I mean, we're we're, we're talking about the the run game not really being explosive. Nobody ever said that when Dexter Williams was, was eligible and active. And... I, you know, of all of all those guys, I think the guy that we probably un, undervalued his departure the most was Miles Boykin. I know, I did, and I think I, the, I, I think, rated him less. So. I think the coaching <laughs> yeah. staff did too. I I, I agree. I, the one thing Tim and I were talking about this day, I mentioned in uh, uh, tail the tape. Claypool doesn't play that that third interception that was negated. That was totally on Claypool. He had inside position. By the way, that guy changed numbers. Because they rotate the number 25, it was Frank Beamer's number. Driving me crazy trying to figure out yeah. who that guy was. It was number 27 who changed number 25 because they gave him <clears throat> Frank Beamer's number for the game. Nobody else cares about no, me just saying that, but we that was a question. So you're so I was confused by your answer at first because <laughs> you're <laughs> you're totally disagreeing with Kirk Herbstreet. Yeah, I, I guess I was you read it wrong. I'm unclear on did I read it wrong? No, he, he oh. heard it wrong, or oh. he read it wrong. Or Herb Street said all that is better this year. No, oh, no, no, that's insane. Yeah. That, Kirk, no, I, come I, on. I, I, I would say, no, that's insane for one. Pause on the middle, and absolutely the dumbest thing in the history of the world for three. The middle, they are being tested more with their depth. Though, I would, and that they are that I would agree. Their depth continues to... Last year was bars, and am I missing anything that was... Tranquil just played through it. So well, they're they're they're. Yeah. I, I mean, this maybe their backup receivers aren't that. They're playing backup receivers. 
They weren't doing that I last think, year. Yeah, the, the depth has been tested, and obviously, I mean, they've also lost games with the depth being tested. But uh, I think they've responded a little bit. They didn't have to. They didn't have to do that last year. I mean, they changed quarterbacks. Well, he didn't lose them though. He was still there. <laughs> Technically, you're right. Two QB system. <laughs> All right, we've got. Uh, we're going to conclude with two Duke questions, and we will have and then we more. Have a write in. We do have a write in about. Oh yeah, yeah. Little, you want you want to start with that one? Yeah, I think so. We got a write in. I want to read some on this from uh, a Notre Dame student. The modern Notre Dame fan is happy to cheer loudly after a drive has started, a point is scored, or when the defense has stopped a big play. But in the last few years, there's been a noticeable decline in our cheering at all other times. There may be reasons for this attitude. Some students are frustrated, not because the team is losing per se, but because head coach, because of the head coach, they don't feel that the team is living up to its potential. The head coach he is talking about is Dan Devine, one year after Notre Dame won the national title from Scholastic Magazine, <laughs> 41 years ago. The more things change, uh, the more, the more they, stay they, they stay the same. Had to make it. MN Irish 2019. Outside of Coach Cutcliffe having two weeks to prepare and being one of the best coaches from an X's and O's standpoint, what worries you about Duke? Other than that? Yeah, that, 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 that in and of itself is a, is a big worry because they will be prepared to play Notre Dame and prepared to at least try to expose what they consider to be Notre Dame's weaknesses. Yeah, if you have a good defensive line effort from Duke, puts Notre Dame behind the chains, too many three and outs, and if the offensive line for Duke continues to protect the quarterback and not have too many third and longs, doesn't let Notre Dame wreck the game as they did against Virginia, that's Duke's best bet, and you can bet Cutcliffe will uh, be going towards those strengths. Yeah, I don't know if there's a lot personnel-wise that worries me about Duke. Other than that's head coach. I would say they're D-line. The little bit that I've seen of them, I think they have some players there. If anybody <laughs> if anybody recognizes the shortcomings of a quarterback, of an opposing quarterback, it's certainly going to be David Cutcliffe. He will know exactly what to do. Mm, that's a good, I didn't think about it in those Yeah, times. but I mean, you know, he know he Creeping me out. He now. knows how to... He knows how to, <laughs> to, to <laughs> Like suddenly, yeah, God, this game, this game just got a little more. Yeah, uh, I know, and and, and and yet, this is the, I think when we started the, this podcast, and yet, there's a lot about Duke that that is unimpressive uh, as well, and we'll get into that more on Thursday. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be, I've never never been to that stadium. It's going to be quaint, like uh, it is quaint. like wait like Wake Forest. I fell into that stadium accidentally once. It was a little hole on my way to Cameron in 2015. <laughs> this is a football stadium. <clears throat> PG Dumont will already blow out Duke. Save that for Thursday. I will say the uh, Adam Rowe from our site at 24-7 says yes. And he really? Duke, and he covers mm. Duke, yeah. I, uh, as the line drops to six and a half, I have a hard time. I have a hard time envisioning a blowout. Um Right now, Notre Dame is kind of in that just kind of holding on for dear life mode, I think. And it, so I don't think you can assume anything. You certainly can't assume yeah, a blowout. I mean, well, blowout is what? 31-14. Those three touchdowns? I don't think they're going to beat them by three touchdowns. 14 points, I could... Yeah, that's not a total blowout, right? No. Yeah. So I guess not really is, would be my answer. We'll have more on that Thursday. We will have more on that Thursday. Maybe more when, from a Scholastic you, magazine from yeah. 1978. Too. And on Thursday, <laughs> once again, you will not allow me to forget for the predictions to be placed after the... I, I can have it written down here in neon. Yeah. 
It's like and the I, final score. Well, I know. Well, but, final score the because I know I don't have to have mine, <laughs> yeah. so I'm so selfish that I <laughs> that I exclude you guys from the equation. So you guys remind me. Will you be here Thursday? I will be here, You'll Thursday. Be here Thursday. We appreciate you all joining us. Thanks. This is Irish Illustrated Insider. Indiana Dunes Tourism, located between Chicago and South Bend in Northwest Indiana, is a proud supporter of Irish Illustrated. Extend your Notre Dame visit with a trip to the nation's newest national park. Visit indianadunes.com.